Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola, I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good with you in your world. Um, I hope everything's great. Um, I'm, I would say I'm going through a phase where I'm marveling at the awesomeness of God on one hand, and then on the other hand, I'm also looking at, I'm marveling at the <laughs> wickedness of the devil. And um, it's a very bizarre thing. But what it's doing is that it's making me want to go closer to God. And this is what happens to me every time I have an encounter or I observe things that really, really strike me as being phenomenally evil. And I think that it, it, I saw a lot of that play out um, in the month of March in the public space in my own local context. So it's made me, it's made me run to God. It's made me cleave more strongly to God and what He represents. Because if you look at it, God is really a very good God. Honestly, He's a very good God. Because I, I don't even understand why He created. He allowed, you know, the devil to, or he allows good and evil to, to coexist on earth. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. But I'm happy that there's a time when he will bring all evil to an end. That I am very comforted by. And I like the fact that the Bible explains how evil came to be. And it also explains how evil is going to end. That ending is very important for me. In fact, the origin story of evil is not even as important to me as the end. Because I don't care wherever your origin, although the origin story is important. Because then you know what you are dealing with. Yes, I, let me, I take that back. The origin story is very important. It's important because you know what you are dealing with, you know. Okay, so he's a created being. He's in the hierarchy of things. He, he didn't even defeat God's angels, not to talk of, you know. Um, this was never a battle against God, even though he has always tried to frame it that way. It was essentially a rebellion that occurred within his own ranks, you know. And um, the rank and file in the angels dealt with him. Revelation 12 tells us that story very well. They cast him out of heaven. There was no place found for him anymore. And then he came and started fighting with people that... He, he, he's not even supposed to be fighting with. I mean, literally, he's a celestial being. We are physical beings. I mean, what is the basis of the whatever? Stay in your, you go, I mean, stay in your celestial place and be fighting the celestial beings. Then, no, came and started, um, decided to now attack the object of God's affection, which is humanity. Unfortunately, Adam fell for it. And here we are. Um, my personal theory of all of that is that God allowed that so that even man, the same kind of, how would I say, life and death, good and evil choice that the angels have had to make. Because essentially what happened in, with the angel beings is that, angelic beings is that a rebel, a rogue angel, you know, Lucifer, arose within their midst and he was able to draw away about one third of the angels at that time. And they went with him. And then the other 203, you know, just generally defeated them and sent them out, sent them back in. So... The remaining angels that are left have decided for what you know to follow God and they are loyal to God and all that. And we see angels, archangels like Michael and Gabriel, the 
messenger angel. In fact, anybody that God sends Gabriel to men, you are blessed and highly, <laughs> highly favored. Gabriel doesn't go on any, you as in any spurious kind of message. I mean, there's no angel that goes on a spurious message. But what I mean is that angel doesn't. You know, I mean, Gabriel doesn't come for messages like oh i am visiting your family he's coming for a dispensational message you know a message that is going to really really like change the course of events like you know when he came to mary and all that so you know um yeah so the origin story is important because then we know what we're dealing with where it came from and then we also know um how god has dealt with him but for me personally, I like that final end story. And ever since the day I read in the book of Revelation that there is a lake of fire that is prepared for the devil and his angels, that was the day I made up my mind that whatever happens, I will not enter into that lake of fire. Do you understand? As in anything, because... The devil is so evil. I mean, he's, the Bible says he was a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar and the father of lies. He's so evil, unrepentantly evil. You know what it means for somebody to be unrepentantly evil? It's very few people are unrepentantly evil. Even serial killers have moments of remorse. You know what I'm saying? Although there are some serial killers who never have moments of remorse. Those are the people they call um, psychopaths. And... Those people are like the epitome of the devil. Because the devil never repents. He has, he's never had a moment of remorse about any evil he has ever done. Rather, his regret is that he did not even, he was not more wicked. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we see it in the way when he takes over people's minds and their bodies and what he does with them. You can see how he is. So, for me, that end of the devil is very very important because and ever since i read that there was such an end and that god prepared that lake of fire not for human beings but for the devil and his angels so it's a spiritual lake of fire that causes spiritual torment the kind that will hurt not only that will hurt spiritual beings you know so i made up my mind that so long as god prepared that lake of fire for the devil and his angels i will not find myself there Neither will my children or anything that concerns me find themselves in that. But that who God prepared it for, they are the people that will be a part of it. And me, myself, I will never be. So, but the long-sufferingness of God is, is a sight to behold. Because if I was him, I'll have pulled the plug long ago. I'll have fast-forwarded to that end. I just carried him and thrown him in there. You know what I'm saying? Because he's so evil. He's so, so evil. Is so evil but when i see human beings you know and I, I i like to make a distinction between levels of evil i even though the bible doesn't make that distinction but i like to make that distinction for myself because um i think there's a difference between being influenced by evil being oppressed by evil actually the devil, i think the bible does make a distinction between being influenced by evil being oppressed by evil and then walking in partnership with evil. I think the Bible makes that distinction because I think it's something that I'll probably need to study, you know, to go into the Bible and sift out the scriptures. But just off the top of my head, when I think about how the epistles or the apostles talk about evil and how they warn 
disciples in the church, they make a difference between, they differentiate between people who are, you know, who are fallen, who are, who first of all, believe a lie, you know, as in people who are, who are blinded by the devil and they cannot see, you know, he, he, they make a distinction between that. And they seem to make a distinction between false prophets and false brethren. Those are people who are maliciously, you understand, masquerading to be people who they are not. So those, the false brethren and the false prophets and the false apostles, those ones are in partnership with the enemy. They are different from the people who, you know, are maybe like atheists or, you know, deceived into believing that Christianity is a false religion or is not true. You know, those ones, they are sincerely, you know, they are wrong, but they are sincerely wrong. So it's a different kind of thing. So they are unconsciously walking towards the agenda of the devil, but they are not consciously in partnership. They believe that they're following their own minds and their own appreciation and understanding of issues, but it's playing to the, you know, the overall plan of the enemy. But the false brethren, the false apostles and the false prophets that are described in several places by all the apostles that wrote epistles in the New Testament, those people are not described as people who don't know what they are doing. The language that is used to describe them is always one of intentionality, of awareness, of an agenda that is manipulative, that is deceptive, that is destructive, and that is targeted towards an aim that is very much against the agenda of Christ. So those people, for whatever reason, have chosen to walk in partnership with the devil. And I think why why I can say confidently, at least to some level of, you know, to some extent, with some level of confidence, is that, that the Bible has differentiated those people is the fact that it actually, you know, describe it names them differently. It labels them differently. The Bible is very, very um, purposeful and intentional in its language. Um, anything that it, it labels, that it specifically frames with a particular language, it's because it wants us to, it is important enough to be framed as a unique entity on its own. So for me, it has always struck me that the Bible makes a difference between false brethren, false apostles, and false prophets. And if you look at it, there are three different things. They are all working towards, you know, they're all in partnership. And, and, and again, I want to be very clear. I hope you're really following me on this. A false brother is not a brother that is carnal. It's different. And as I said, the Bible is very intentional. A carnal Christian is the one that does not understand the things of God. The person is not doesn't have a renewed mind. The person is still being influenced by the world system. So the person is like you and I with an unrenewed mind. You know what I'm saying? So that's so that's some, this is somebody who so as a carnal Christian, for instance, if I'm a carnal Christian, I'm a Christian who I have not yet put on the old, the new man, which is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. I am born again. I've received Christ, but I have not yet been transformed into the nature of Christ. So my mind, my emotions, my will, my intent, and to some extent, my beliefs are still very much influenced by the way I was raised and the relationships I've had. I have not gone through that renewal process that has to happen to every believer as we read the word of God. 
So therefore, I still behave and I act and I talk like an unbeliever. I am a carnal Christian. I'm an unrenewed Christian, but I am still a Christian. I still believe in Christ. I am transformation in progress. Now, the extent to which I yield to the old man or I yield to the new man will then determine, you know, what my end will be. But I am not actively working in partnership with the devil. Do you understand what I'm saying? I am just limited by my mindset, limited by my worldview, limited by my ignorance of the word of God, limited on my relationship with him, my spiritual intimacy. That's all of that. But I still believe in Christ. Are you following me? It's, that's a different set of people. So this is somebody who is being influenced by the devil, but is not actively and consciously working in partnership with the devil. I hope you understand that distinction. The Bible makes a differentiation between those people. And this is why I like the Bible. I like the Bible because it explains things. I think what happens is that while we have a lot of confusion about these different things is that I think people are not churches we 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 are not we don't have enough teachers teaching people the word. What we have are preachers, people preaching on Monday, on Sunday and Sunday services preachers preachers are good for getting people saved but it doesn't really help the disciples. And I think that's why a lot of the things that the Bible explains and teaches, we actually think that the Bible doesn't teach it and we're just making it up as we go along. The Bible really does explain all these things, but it's a teacher that can bring it out for us and and, 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 and break it out. And if you're a student of the Bible, you can learn it yourself as well. But you really, really have to be able to study or read books of people who have studied. Um, I raised, I grew up on Kenneth Hagin books and I read almost all his books and I think that really helped me because he just gave me the fundamental principles of scripture, particularly New Testament, what you are in a believer. And then I started studying along those lines. And the way Kenneth Hagin teaches, he always reproduces the scriptures for you and then he explains. So you can see that he's not teaching his own doctrine and he's comparing his own explanation side by side. So you, if you disagree with him, fine. But he's going to quote two, three, four, five scriptures. In fact, like half of his books is Bible passages. So it's not like somebody telling you, you know, then maybe you have some anecdotes to illustrate what he's saying, but his books are, they are teaching books. Do you understand? They're not, they're not about his experience. It's not so much about his experience. His experiences just illustrate the word of God, but his books are like 60 to 70% word of God. That was how I was raised. So that really helped me, gave me a solid foundation. On the contrary, I do find that some Christian books are too anecdotal for my liking so there are many christian authors that people read that i don't read simply because they, they use their experiences as a doctrine which is wrong you know do you understand your experience cannot be a doctrine for everybody it's like paul now paul had a damascus experience an angel appeared to him he was blind for two or three days imagine if paul now went everywhere telling everybody that if angel do not appear to you and you're not blind for two days then you have not received christ really do you understand what i'm saying that's error and that's really what a lot of people are doing so that it ha- you had a spectacular, very unique experience that was bespoke to you. You now create a doctrine out of it. So anyway, that's just an aside. So the Bible makes distinction between the carnal Christian, which is somebody that has been influenced by the devil or the world system, has not fully been regenerated or recreated in terms of their behavior, their conduct, their attitude, their speech. Therefore, Christ is limited in terms of the impact in his life and in the life of others by extension. But this person is not actively working in partnership with the devil. But the false brothers, false brethren, false apostles, false false prophets are written in the Bible as willful agents working in partnership with the devil, actively, actively invested in sabotaging the work of God, 
the gospel of Jesus Christ, the expansion of the kingdom, and the well-being of the church actively. In fact, there is no way in any of those scriptures that we are told to minister to them or restore to them. They are, they are, they are, the language around them is written in the same way as it is about the son of perdition. You know, it's like do you understand? These are people that will not change, and you know, they are, they are, what they are doing is they are, they are willful about it. They know that God is good. They know the devil is evil. They have chosen to be agents of that which is evil. So for me, anyway. Um, I have always, I think I've been aware, I've been more aware of the goodness of God than the evilness of the devil. I think recently the Lord unmasks to me the evilness of the devil. How evil he is. And I've, I mean, I used to watch crime and investigation channels, so I, used, I know about serial killers, I know about that kind of evil, but the kind of evil that I have seen now, hmm, has just made me even more in awe of a God that will actually allow created beings to exercise their free will up to this point. But it has also made me run to him because I don't want to be party to this kind of evil and wickedness and darkness that I see. Evil is, just like when they say God is light in him, there's no darkness at all. If I flip that scripture, I'll say the devil is darkness in him, there's no light at all. There's no light in anything that has to do with the devil. It is dark darkness. Very, very evil. But what it has done for me, just like somebody, when you see a horrible, you know, picture, you cringe, you shrink it. That's exactly what it's done for me. It's made me hate everything that has to do with the devil. It's made me love God more. And I honestly, I wish there was a way I could just make myself completely 100% like God. I don't want to have to have anything to do with this devil, you know. But unfortunately, I am in the world, you know, and I'm still in my physical fleshly body. My mind is still largely unrenewed. The only thing I can do is to continue this journey of renewing my mind every day, exposing it to the Word of God, praying in the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit to help me, practicing the faith, being careful what I'm exposed to. And just whenever I notice anything that is wrong in my life or the Lord bubbles it up, I put it under the blood of Jesus, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to me and deal with it decisively in faith and in prayer. Because surely I will not have any part to do with the lake of fire that was developed for designed for the devil and his angels. And this is not because I'm afraid of torment. It's because I don't want to be where they are. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is, even if there was a mansion um, prepared for them, I don't want to go there. Do you understand? So let's get that clear. My problem is not really about the fire. My problem is that it is the place where these evil creatures are going to be. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. The place that God has created for them, let them stay there. I don't belong there. So thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.